Justin because of all the things that, that occur. Uh, I thought uh, this morning I would just tell you how Operation Renewed Hope began. I think it's very important that you understand uh, in Matthew chapter 9, uh, and if you'd like to go there, verse 35, we have taken uh, 35, 36, 37, and 38. I preached on these verses at a uh, uh, banquet here or a meal on, uh, I think it was Saturday afternoon we had it. Yeah. And, uh, but I never got to tell exactly how our ministry began. Uh, and I think it's important that you understand uh, that. Uh, if you had said to me that I would be doing what I'm doing right now uh, 10, 15 years ago, uh, or actually over that now is 1991, 27 years ago, I would say to you, you're crazy. I wouldn't, no, no. Uh, I had, uh, I'm a pastor. That's what I do. I'm like him, okay? I, I get up on Sunday. I try to encourage everybody uh, if necessary. I, uh, you know, I get on to everybody. That's what a preacher does. He's like, a, you know, a, a fellow that's kind of judging the barometer uh, of the church constantly. Uh, I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Now, if I had been any place else, this would not have happened. I hope you understand that. Fayetteville, North Carolina is the home of the 82nd Airborne. Uh, and uh, at that time, it was also home of Pope Air Force Base. Pope has been closed, and now it's an uh, Army Air Force Base. Uh, they have C-130s all over the place there because that's what the uh, 82nd Airborne uses. Uh, and... Uh, those of you who are my age uh, will remember uh, Operation Just Cause. That's where we went down to Panama because the Panama Canal was in danger because of a man by the name of Noriega. Uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, oh, what was his name? What, Noriega. I'm sorry? Is that, yeah, uh, sometimes I'm old. Uh, and uh, my memory's what I forget with. Uh, and uh, our people jumped in to Paitia Airport. Uh, Paitia Airport is in the center of Panama City, uh, and Noriega had his uh, jet there, and they knew that they would have to take that airport or else he would use his jet to escape. And so uh, some of our people and, and a huge contingency of the 82nd Airborne jumped into Panama uh, prior to the events that took place there. They took the airport with uh, no resistance. Uh, it's, it's pretty futile to resist the 82nd Airborne. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you all the firepower they bring to bear. Some people say they have as much firepower as all of the World War II uh, as they jump into a location. They held his airplane. He was not able to escape. When they came back... Uh, the people who were in our church uh, came in and they said, Pastor, we really need to do something for those people down there. It's really, really bad. Uh, Noriega had sequestered all of the money in secret locations uh, and in banks around the world so he would have the money. Uh, and they could not take their young people to the uh, World Series 
in the Little League up in Pennsylvania. Well, it's down in Pennsylvania from here, right? Uh, and um, for me in the South, I go up, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, so I said, okay. Uh, and we uh, called the Ministry of Sports because we had done this for years. We had a sports ministry where we would take baseball, we would take uh, soccer, uh, basketball, and we would go into the, the uh, Central American countries and we would uh, play sports. And so the Ministry of Sports there uh, in the country said, oh yes, we would love to have you come. So we went and put on a full little league for these kids who could not travel. And we, uh, we had, uh, in the morning time, we had uh, uh, clinics. In the afternoon, we played tournaments with them. We brought jerseys, gloves, whatever they needed. Uh, and the kids would walk. It was, it was uh, almost uh, sad. We'd be driving down the road in the bus headed to the ball field, and you'd see a coach with all of his kids lined up behind him, and they're walking to the ball field. That's the only way they've got to get him there. Uh, and we would stop, throw them on the bus, and just keep going, you know. Uh, then in the evenings, we played uh, international baseball against the uh, uh, professional teams there uh, in Panama. Uh, and uh, it's a different system down there, but uh, we had a great time. And uh, at the end of the week, we had been preaching to over 200 people a day. Parents would come. Uh, we had a lot of people come to Christ. It was just a, a marvelous time. At the end of the week, the missionary looked at me and he said, we have worked too hard. He said, this has been exhausting. And it was. It was very exhausting. But when you work with young people, you got to be willing to be exhausted, right? Because they don't understand the principle. Uh, my bones hurt. They don't even know they've got bones, right? Uh, and so uh, we went fishing. Now, I have never figured out why you want to rest at 4 a.m. in the morning. That's what time we went fishing. I could have rested real well at about 8 a.m. in the morning, getting up and just eating a leisurely breakfast. But no, we went fishing. We went on the backside of the Gatun Lake. Gatun Lake is actually the Panama Canal. That's a man-made lake. They uh, dammed up the Chagres River. It filled up the uh, in-between areas between the main uh, um, place in Cologne and the one in Panama City where the locks are. And the ships go through that lake. Well, we were out on the lake and we had gone to a little fishing village called Arenosa. And uh, uh, the missionary said, watch. And he went over and he hired two of the people in the village, uh, actually three to be guides. And we got three boats and we all got in the boats and folks, I have never caught so many fish in my life. Now, when you're sitting there and you're going like this and really, that's not fishing, folks. That's wishing. Okay? All right? Fishing is whenever you can't even bait the hook. You just throw it back and it the fish will strike and you pull and you got one. We caught 300 fish that day. The boats were just full of fish. Uh, and you say, how do you know you caught 300? Because I paid for them to be cleaned, okay? Uh, we got back to the fishing village, uh, and the children were primed. They, they started clean fish, clean fish, five cents, five cents. And I said, sure, clean them all. And so uh, if they didn't cheat me, I got 300 fish clean that day, okay? 
Well, I noticed that the kids just had some problems. Uh, something a nurse could take care of in 15 minutes, okay? I mean, nothing uh, major. So I looked at the missionary, Jim Childress, and I said, Jim, next time we come, why don't we send a doctor up here and let these kids get a little bit of medical care? I said, uh, we, we always bring a medical professional with us on the ball teams just in case one of the kids gets hurt. We want an American to tell us what's wrong with them as we take them to the hospital. And so he said, okay, let's go talk with the village president. Now, there's different names for the leaders of the villages. In this village, it was a village president. So we went to the man, to his house, and talked with him for a little while. We explained to him what we'd like to do for the kids. Uh, and uh, we'll just send up somebody from the ball team that's a medical person for us. And, uh, you know, and he looked at us and he said, well, we have no medical care. This is wonderful. He said, uh, could you get us a dentist? He said, we desperately need a dentist. And I said, well, no, sir, we don't do that. I said, I'm just going to send up the medical person and try to take care of some of the problems, you know, uh, that the kids have. And he said, that'll be wonderful. And so off we went. I never thought anything of it because we didn't do anything but baseball, soccer, basketball, that kind of thing. Uh, And so we flew out. Well, all of a sudden, my phone started ringing. And people would go, I understand you're taking a medical team to Panama. And I would say, no, well, we're taking one person uh, with our ball team. And they'd say, well, put me down. I'll go. And phone call after phone call. Had a man call me. He was an optometrist. Uh, and he was in our church. He said, hey, look, uh, just put me down. I'll go. And he said, I've got a doctor down in Brunswick County, uh, North Carolina, Now, if you want a doctor to do anything, go play golf, all right? That's what you have to do because they talk business on the golf course. If you put them in an office, they talk, you know, doctorese. But when they're out on a golf course, they'll talk with you. So this doctor at the end of the uh, uh, golf time said, uh, hey, yeah, I'll go. No problem. He said, I've been in uh, the Philippines before and done clinics there and We'll be glad to go with you. Uh, And the Lord began to do something that I had no idea about. This was none of my making of any way. Uh, And uh, by the time we got through, we had 35 people on the first team. And I had a man in my church. His name is Joe Crane. Joe still works with me. Uh, And uh, Joe was in special forces. Uh, He was 23 years in special forces. Uh, and he was in charge of training of special forces at uh, uh, Bragg, Fort Bragg. Uh, and uh, uh, he said, don't worry, uh, Pastor, we do these all the time. They're called med readies. And he said, uh, we, he said I'll, I'll just lay one out for you. You follow what I say, and it'll all work. So I said, okay. You know, and so he did. Uh, it's the planning, the planning sheet of the United States military is so rigid. It's unbelievable how they plan things. And he brought in this planning sheet and started unfolding it. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'll never be able to do all this. But we did. Uh, and so then I got a call on the phone. Uh, and it's from uh, Panama City, Panama. And a a man said to me, he said, I'm Lieutenant Colonel so-and-so. 
Uh, I am in charge of all of the dentistry here on base. Uh, he said, I was in church Sunday night, and I heard you're bringing a medical team to Panama. Now, there was a little church there that I preached in, Balboa, and a uh, wonderful church, wonderful missionary with BIMI, as a matter of fact. Uh, and uh, uh, so I said, okay. Uh, he said, I have five, uh, another officer who is a dentist, and I have four airmen, and they will do everything. And I have all the medicine, I have everything you need, all the equipment. He said, where do we meet? And I said, well, I'll work that all out, and I'll be back in touch with you. So the guy in the village got his medical team, okay? Uh, and then uh, I got a phone call. And it was from a man in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And the man said, uh, uh, Pastor Milton, you don't know me, but uh, um, I work with Southeastern Medical, and I have a whole warehouse of medical supplies that I would like to donate. Well, I, I said, okay. So I didn't know Southeastern Medical Supply. For me, you know, it could be just a little hole-in-the-wall store, Right. So he said, I've got uh, everything you'll ever want. And so uh, I took a pickup truck, uh, a little 1953 Chevrolet, you know, the black ones with, oh, it's beautiful. Push starter in the floor, you can't beat it. Uh, and uh, those of you who know that, what that means, God bless you, okay, because you're old. Uh, and uh, uh, so I took it over, and he started going through the warehouse, and he'd go, from this point on these shelves all the way to the end, that's all yours. From this point all the way to the end, that's yours. 45,000 square feet. Yeah. And uh, I realized quickly that my little 53 pickup Chevy was not going to do it, right? So I didn't own a truck. I had never done anything like this. And these were all brand new supplies. These were not, uh, you know, things that were... Uh, you know, used or, or whatever. Uh, and so I said, okay. And I drove away and I stopped at a tire place right down from our church. Now, you know, every tire place has to have a, a truck because they take all the hulls of the tires they take in out to the dump and they get rid of them, all right? So I stopped and uh, uh, I, I told the man who I was, and I pastored the church, and he knew where the church was, and I knew his church, so on and so forth, and I told him the story. And he said to me, he said, that is the craziest thing I have ever heard in my life. Now, this man was a, a Christian. He said, that's unbelievable, preacher. I said, yeah, I, I, but I need your truck real badly because I, I don't have any other. He said, look, I'm going to give you my truck. He said, just make sure you park it where it was, when you, where you got it, and make sure it's full of gas at the end of the time. I said, no problem. So we started loading up truckload after truckload after truckload. Now, where do you put that stuff? Well, you put them in the Sunday school rooms, obviously. <laughs> oh, me, I'm amazed that our church even put up with me. Uh, and uh, so we filled... I mean, you would go in, you, uh, we had Florida rooms. Do you know what I mean by Florida rooms? All the doors open to the outside. So every room is individual and there's no hallway. The, the awning over the sidewalk is the hallway because, uh, you know, we don't use heat down, uh, down there except in 
uh, you know, unusual times. Uh, and uh, uh, the air conditioning worked fine, so you just use it like a Florida building. And so you would open the door, and it was just a solid wall in front of you right at the door of boxes. And it just went all the way to the back of the room to the ceiling. And we had an unbelievable amount of, of wonderful things. Uh, some things costing thousands of dollars. It was just overwhelming. And I was telling everyone in the church service about it. And this is why this could only have happened at Fayetteville. Okay, When I told them that we were going on a medical team because all these people were together and we were going to the jungles of Panama, uh, everybody walked up afterwards and said, well, when are we going, preacher? We were just down there last week training. Because you see, Panama was the training area for the uh, uh, Green Beret. And uh, all of the major uh, units went down there and trained in jungle warfare. And so they had been down there. They knew exactly where we were going. They knew the fort where we were, uh, you know, in Panama, Fort Clayton. Uh, and Marines had a base at the, there, Amador. And so it was just a uh, common place. If I, had been in the middle, if I had been up here and got up and announced that as the preacher, everybody would go, Preacher, you, you walk out to the car. That's the most exercise you get. And you're going to the jungle? Not these people. They wanted to know when we were going and what we were doing, you know, only in Fayetteville. A man came up to me after the service when I talked with him uh, about the supplies that had been donated. And uh, he, he said, Pastor, obviously you don't know what I do. And I said, well, I know that you're a chief in the Air Force and nothing leaves uh, Pope Air Force Base without your permission. And he said, that's right. He said, I have to sign off on every ounce of cargo and make sure that it's packaged according to the rules of uh, weight and everything like that. And he said, now, I can ship all of those medical supplies for you, but I don't know how to get it approved. He said, now, you're going to have to call the Department of Defense. So Monday morning, I got up and I called the Department of Defense because I didn't know any better. I looked it up in the Yellow Pages. How many of you remember Yellow Pages? Okay, all right, good, 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 good. Uh, and uh, I looked it up, Department of Defense, dialed the number, and they, they uh, answered, and they, uh, uh, they said, well, we're sorry, preacher, but this isn't where you call. You're going to have to call the State Department. So I looked in the Yellow Pages for the State Department. Call the State Department. And they said, well, no, not really, preacher. This is not, you need to call the Department of Defense and you need to call Humanitarian Affairs. Uh, and they gave me a number and they said, you need to speak with a lady by the name of Judy McCallum. Now, the greatest miracle that I've ever experienced occurred on that day because Judy McCallum actually answered her phone. <laughs> Have you ever called Washington, D.C.? Okay, you understand what I mean. All right, And she answered the phone, and I told her what I needed. She said, well, yeah, I, I can ship humanitarian supplies, but I don't approve it. All I do is once it's made uh, military cargo, it's my job to get it to the place where it's supposed to go because we direct all uh, airlift command uh, flights. I said, okay. She said, you need to call a man by the name of Jeff Slagle. Jeff is in the State Department, Okay. Uh, and he is with uh, USAID. 
And I said, okay. So uh, I uh, called Jeff Slagle. Jeff picked up his phone and uh, uh, I said, uh, Mr. Slagle, I have uh, a humanitarian uh, airlift need. And he said, no problem. He said, we can take care of that. That's what I'm here for. And he said, do you have a fax machine? That's when there were fax machines, okay? Uh, and uh, I said, yes. He said, give me your number. And he said, I'll send five sheets of paper to you that you fill out and get them back to me as quickly as possible. And he did. Within a few minutes, I heard the little fax machine running, you know, and I went there, and it was the simplest thing I've ever done in my life. There was absolutely no red tape. Uh, in, uh, you remember Reagan, okay? In uh, his administration, the Military Appropriations Committee uh, uh, had, um, had made a, um, a law that... Um, uh, they could ship humanitarian supplies on U.S. aircraft space available. That means if there's a pallet position open, you get that pallet. And so uh, a man by the name of Jeremiah Denton was the uh, ranking man in Vietnam uh, in uh, the uh, Hanoi Hilton. Now, Jeremiah Denton was a true American hero. I want you to understand. I don't have time to tell you his story, but he was a very good friend of mine after everything took place. When he came back, he was put on the Appropriations Committee, and when uh, they asked, why are we having such a problem with communism in Central America? He said, it's because they have no hope. And he said, we've got all these Air Force planes flying with concrete blocks in the back of the planes because the pilots have to fly and fly with weight. And you have to pack it. You have to practice all of this stuff. He said, do you know how many small Christian organizations there are in the United States that could keep these planes flying all the time with humanitarian cargo? Sometimes the United States ships 9 to 12 million pounds a year through the Denton Amendment. And it's all free. I've never paid, okay? In fact, we are in the Air Force books right now, history books, Operation Renewed Hope was the largest shipper in one year by the United States Air Force. And uh, I was staying that in a church service, and a guy came up to me and said, Hey, I'm in the Air Force. I just studied you guys. I had to read that. And so uh, I was out in California. All kinds of strange things are out there. Uh, and uh, so, you know, I said, Okay, and we... We uh, filled out the paperwork. They came through. We had to have a detailed inventory. Every box had to be inventoried. That was work because it was so much. Everything had to be inventoried. Then they sent an inspector. He had to go through the thing, and he would say, okay, on your sheet you have box 475. I want to see box 475, and I want to count 20 pencils. And so I had to go, and we laid the boxes out in number. Go to 475. You open it. You pull out 20 pencils. He looks in to make sure there's not any more. And if he counts 20, he puts it back in, takes a picture, and says, I want to see box number, and you have to take him there. And he takes a picture, and they send it back in. And so uh, I was walking down the hallway of the church one day, and all of a sudden, my cell phone rang. Uh, and it's the old flip phone. You remember that? You'd flip it up, you know. And uh, uh, They said, uh, uh, this is Military Airlift Command. 
We have a C-130 inbound Pope Air Force Base. ETA is and gave us the next day. You have 24 hours to have your cargo sitting at Pope Air Force Base so that they can palletize, put it on the, on the plane. Please contact your uh, consignee in, uh, uh, that Howard Air Force Base will be receiving this C-130 at this time. ETA is and so on and so forth. And folks... I fell to my knees in the middle of that church and I cried like a baby. You just can't imagine because I had no way of getting rid of those supplies. Do you understand that? No matter how great they were, I couldn't even afford to throw them away. And I realized, you know, sometimes you do things and God lets you do it and all of a sudden then you realize the trouble you're in. And I tell you what, I didn't even have a truck to take them to the air base across town. And so the United States Air Force, I called the guy that was in my church and I said, look, I, I got this call and we're ready to go, but I have no truck. He said, don't worry, preacher. I'll send everything I got. And he did. Little trucks, big trucks, anything they had on the base that day that was free to take a, a, a trip came over. We loaded all that stuff one thing after the other. I mean, we loaded for hours and hours. Got it over there, and that C-130 took off and landed in Howard Air Force Base in Panama City, Panama. That was the first shipment we ever did since that time. We have shipped over 3 million pounds of medical equipment and supplies. Right now, I have 14 pallets of gauze sitting in Las Vegas with a company that donates to us out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and they have a plant in Las Vegas. And this is the first time they've opened up both plants to us. There's no telling how much stuff that we can get. Brand new, beautiful, useful material. And if we don't get it out, you know what's going to happen to it? it's going to go to the landfill because they can't afford the warehouse space. After a short period of time, that material is worth less than the workers and the payment on the buildings and the heat. They will spend twice as much, throw it away, get rid of it, unless you can find somebody like us. And most people can't ship it. Do you know how much it costs to ship? But we can. Now funded transportation... I, brother, I'm over. I'll have to quit. So, but uh, I'll tell you a little bit more, okay? I, I apologize about that. I missed it. Well, let's do this here. Uh, if you want to divide up your classes, do it. We shipped. Uh, funded transportation has now become a, a way that we ship. Totally free. Any, any organization, they don't care about your spiritual uh, situation, but they will not ship things that are uh, your responsibility, such as Bibles 
or pews for a church or things like that. They will only ship humanitarian supplies. But we had one shipment all the way down in um, uh, Africa in uh, uh, Tanzania. Uh, it took five 40-foot containers to get the shipment in. And they shipped it all the way to Durban, West Af uh, South Africa, offloaded it on five trucks, drove it through two countries, went to the missionary's door, knocked on the door and said, we have your containers, where would you like them? Yeah. Uh, and they will do that every day of the week for us. All we have to do, uh, I can't tell you how many 53-foot trailers I have unloaded. Can't even, I couldn't even tell you all the stories. You would, you would sit here going, you got to be kidding. You know? Uh, major corporations donating and us. Folks, if I just had uh, one person in charge of that ministry and making it work, we could flood the world with medical equipment, educational equipment. I mean, you wouldn't believe all the things that, that we receive that uh, we just can't, I, I can't do anything with anymore. I'm 66 years old, unloading a, or 65 years old, unloading a 53-foot trailer is really not on my list of to-do, okay? Not anymore, all right? Uh, and uh, so we shipped all of that material. We went uh, to uh, Panama and did the clinic. We had 35 people on the first team. We had uh, 1,500 patients with one doctor. And God took care of us because my special forces guys went with me and they knew exactly what to do. They, they called out everybody who was not really sick. Uh, I had a, um, a military guy who was a medic and he, uh, he was at the head of it and he would go, okay, you see the doctor. They practice what's called true triage, okay? If you're not sick, you get some nice medicine and uh, hear the preaching and you go home. Well, since that time, we now have grown to the point that um, uh, right now, I think in going to the Dominican Republic in January, I have uh, six doctors on that trip. And then we have dentists, uh, we have uh, eye distribution for glasses. I mean, it's just amazing what all the Lord does. By the way, in the Ukraine, we just did our first special needs clinic for children. Children with cystic fibrosis, children with muscular dystrophy. Uh, I mean, just, uh, uh, just all kinds of problems. Uh, when we were there in July doing a clinic, we saw 1,200 patients in a little town called Makachava. And uh, we were overrun with families coming with special needs children. Uh, and so uh, we would sit down. You can't do anything for the children. There's nothing that can be done. No human being on the face of the earth. Only God could do something for the children. It's It's sad. But those parents are sitting there with needs like you wouldn't believe. And so we just did our first one, uh, and God is uh, blessed there. Uh, and we're hoping to repeat these special needs clinics everywhere because families come in, and they'll talk with you about the Lord. It's unbelievable. Well, brother, I'll let you uh, go ahead, and you take... Uh...